Snake and Banter is brought to you by eSportsBet, the industry's leading crypto odds matrix, and they are still running their classic first-time deposit bonus of 50% on up to 200 USDT using our referral link in the description box below. Right, this is going to be another episode of Snake and Banter. Obviously, Maui's back from the major. Turned out big. Actually, isn't. One of the best teams of all time. Joke is actually, by the way, that came along as such a hot take ages ago, but it's actually aged very well. Like I've got to say, if you look at whenever Big <laughs> doesn't you. have their real lineup, they're actually way better than they should be. Like it doesn't even <laughs> it doesn't even make sense. Some of the maps they went on, they can win on maps for like a thirty percent win rate with a standard or something. So they must be doing something. But anyway, the point I was going to get to was obviously Maui's had a really hard few weeks, not just working the major, but having to like it's almost like living under a totalitarian regime. He couldn't even think the thoughts that would get you in trouble while at that event he had to just like just get into a whole new ideology worldview like whatever so it's okay you're back now it's safe though it's safe now. except they're going back next year Maui snow don't get too <laughs> reckless now you've got to is, live like that forever mate exactly you thought it was just three weeks his gal is behind me exactly. gal, where is he where listen is he? all i'm gonna say is you will never understand them Understand? You'll I never understand. Once. Here's the thing. That's one thing I think me and Brazilian fans can agree on. <laughs> I don't think I will ever understand them. They'll never understand Just can't me. See eye to there eye. you go. That, uh, that could actually be the basis to build a whole fucking, you know, I won't say a friendship, but some sort of like, you know, middle ground, couldn't we? We could just say, yeah, we, we don't, almost like we don't understand each other. We come from radically different backgrounds and that's leading to miscommunication. I say miscommunication. I'm pretty sure when they tell me they want to kill me, they're actually communicating very, very specifically exactly what they're thinking. You know, I'm just saying. So our guest for this episode, it's going to be JRT, who you might have seen if you saw ESL Challenger Rotterdam. Now everyone's going to go, what? Who watches that? Well, then you're an ignorant idiot, aren't you? Because that was won by outsiders, the best team in the world. So fucking level up, isn't it, fans? It's not my fault you don't watch the big tournaments like me and JRT here. By the way, brilliant piece of info that'll lead into when we start talking about outsiders, by the way. This is how mad Outsiders has been underrated for the last three months. Even Maui in motherfucking ESL Rotterdam, I was getting them as a betting underdog in like all the playoff series. <laughs> it's actually so meant like that all like, what? But that, that is the world we did live in, like right before this major. Obviously also people might have heard GRT was doing some commentary with, um, I think it was Eternal J and that on one of the pro league seasons, uh, right? Beginning of this year. I did it with Darth Mike actually. Yeah. Darth Mike, there you go. Yes. And uh, yeah, so basically he's been around the scene. We'll see how he does. Right. So obviously we always fight club style, make the guest start first, JRT. Not, you don't have to kill Maui Snake for my opinion. Whatever. <laughs> That's just, you know, a bonus if you do. But no, obviously we want you to start. So what's your good point? What are you bring to the table? I've sort of set it up there. Yeah. So, I mean, my good point obviously is uh, outsiders getting that major title. I, I felt like honestly of all the teams that made it to the playoffs, they were one of the most consistent ones. Uh, if you look at their record throughout the major, in fact, it was uh, five BO3s they played, didn't lose a single one and only lost one map. And that was against Mouse. So um, on and speaking of Mouse, right, they played them, like you said, an ESL challenger Rotterdam and were victorious against them in the semifinals in the same kind of situation and then went off to beat Ents. So they got that warm up already. And to be honest, I was kind of, um, you know, underrating them as well. I wasn't expecting them to come out the win. I picked Mouse to take it, but uh, Outsiders seem to be the eternal underdog, and they really did pull it off in such a very big way um, at this major. And I'm happy for them. I think in terms of teams that they were up against, maybe they could have been tested a little bit better. But, you know, at the end of the day, they did prove that they can stand with the best of them. I, I 
I'll focus on, I suppose, the the other the players on Outsiders because I like that a couple of them have found this sort of success. Uh, so, for example, yeah. F- Flit, I I've been really high on this guy for a long time for especially when he was on Forza because the way Jerry used to call around Flit was basically like a four one style where he just throw Flit on the other side of the map and just says Flit just just do whatever you do and he would o- he would be so good like. He's just such he's such a great lurker, but he's also on CT side so comfortable in basically every single situation that I've ever seen him in. So I'm happy for him. I'm happy for for Dastan. I'm happy that this team was able to capture the trophy for just playing their style unapologetically. And I think I really think that with outsiders, what's what's fun to think about for this team is kind of when once teams start to get used to them playing like this, are they gonna actually suffer at all is there is everybody eventually going to adapt to that style because i'd say that one thing that does help them is the fact that they do play a very unique style and i think that when you load up into the server against them for the first time you're probably a little bit more confused than you would be otherwise versus playing like say a mouse for example because they play a more i think a, st- a style that more european teams are used to so i'm, I'm just curious how kind of the longevity and is is this going to be sustainable for outsiders too okay by the way, we bounce around on the points in GRT, so come back in if okay. you have any other angle you want to go on. Yeah, uh, yeah. no, I had another point, and now I'm forgetting. <laughs> but, it's all right. Uh, we'll, we'll circle back around yeah. to it, because I'll, I'll just pick up what Maui was talking about there. Like One thing I would say is I actually agree also generally with the point that once they made the playoffs, they actually, what's mad is, one of the easiest teams to bet on. Like They actually look like pretty sturdy, and they showed in the tournament. They don't break. Like They can lose, but they don't just bend over and get wrecked by people. And yeah. this whole major was basically teams just choking and fucking shit in the bed and underperforming. It's actually one of the only teams that overperformed. Yeah, absolutely. And like I was saying, like they had that consistency three and one in challenger stage, three and one legend stage. The only losses they had were in BO1. So they won all their BO3s, like I said. So, uh, yeah, super consistent. And again, if you look at Outsiders five months ago, for example, everyone's saying, oh my God, I don't know if this team's going to be even around. And now, you know, they're here winning a major five months later, which is pretty impressive. And just a couple of changes to their roster. Obviously, Fame uh, and Norbert being added from K23. Fame in particular oh my goodness, like a lot of people were questioning whether he would make a good addition to this team, but I think he's proven that he's more than just a good addition. He has been amazing. Yeah, I will also say as well, Maui, I agree on the flip point in the sense that like, mate, this is how you know people don't watch outsiders play and do not care about this team. Dude, no one even mentioned this guy's name. He just won a major. Like, go and look at the numbers he dropped, guys. Like, if you don't know, right, this is how insane this guy is, but how you know people just looking at the headlines or the Hitchell TV scores. Because everyone congratulated Jim because Jim is the whole fucking mascot of the team, isn't he? He's like the identity of outsiders. Everyone congratulated Fame because he's the rookie and he's his first major and he's supposed to fail. People didn't even mention Flit, right? And I'm telling you, just go look. Like, mate, in like the final, in like the quarters, this guy's just dropping like monster maps, like enormous series where you just do like I'm talking guys not just even frags like he just does like the 100 ADR series like a whole best of three and yeah true they didn't play the best teams in the world that's obvious that's probably the biggest flaw of this major unfortunately because the brackets but like look at the work this guy did like the the joke of this team this is why actually to to piggy back on what Maui said at the end there unfortunately I don't think it's possible they can replicate any of this one you're not going to get these draws again in tournaments like the idea a major had a bracket like this when you look at actually outsiders run the joke is it looks like they're at an ESL challenger it's like this is the major what like it's not like they did beat Na'Vi or Vitality or whoever in the best of threes unfortunately they didn't so first of all I don't believe they can do it again then secondly you just look at the numbers of the big three on their team Jim Flit and Fame it's like that's not going to happen come on man like come on for a start 
himself, Jim doesn't even put those numbers up normally. Like Jim himself, he's more on like the. He's in the middle. To me, he's the problem child of the team. This tournament, he was just fired. Nothing wrong whatsoever. I mean, the joke is, half those 1v2s, he did get forced to do, so he couldn't save. So he did the, the old joke that I've always said, which is if he can't save, that he's actually really good. He actually sort of showed it in this tournament. So I have to say, personally, I don't look at it like... Now they're number one and like, oh, what about the other teams? Like, I'll be shocked if this team can like maintain top five. To me, they actually showed at this tournament why they're an awesome team to watch. Because they're like the ultimate gatekeeper if your team isn't fucking insanely good at Counter-Strike. And by the way, even if you're insanely good, if you have any chalk factor, they might get you there as well too. But the problem I have is if I if I put this team tomorrow, drop them into a tournament with like, so it could be like a blast. They're going to be at Blast World Finals. If they have to play like full strength FaZe Clan, Na'Vi, Throw in a couple more vitality. Like, like, they're not even making the final, mate. Like, forget winning it. They're not making the final. Like, I'm, I'm going to be the hater now because that's how you're supposed to do it if you're an analyst, yeah. guys. Like, what I'm doing is selling high. Like, I, look, I'll take them in a bunch of underdog matches again. Brilliant team to take. But I think now people will probably go too far with it, mate. It reminds me of when Gambit won that major. Like, I know they immediately split up in terms of Zeus went home. But spoiler, if he just stayed, it wouldn't have been good. Like, it, they wouldn't have had, like, a load of big trophy halls, you know. The, the biggest indictment on Outsiders' run at this major is that four of their BO3 victories are against two of the same teams. Like, it's just, like, they played Mouse twice, and they played Fnatic twice also, and you just have to think, maybe that's just a good matchup for them, yes. because they have a very particular style. I, I think that, overall, they're a def... I, I, I would probably, like, not sell them solo. Like, I would probably put them still as, like, a pretty... I, I don't even think this is really a hot take. They're like easily to me a top four team. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Here's the problem, Maui. You're exactly yeah. the person. Like, if I had an editor, I'd just go back now, wouldn't I? On the past episode oh, of this uh, show, you were saying about how Team Liquid was like a true favorite to win the fucking major. Homie, only one event happened in the meantime. What happened? Have we, just got, <laughs> have we gone through a fucking time stream or something? Are we, suddenly, Team Liquid is chopped liver and income outsiders. Like, give me a break. <laughs> you didn't even have them on that list before. So, which is it? Come on. Outsider, outsiders weren't in my elite. It, they were not in my elite yeah. category going into this major. That's for Are sure. they now, yeah, though? Uh, like, yeah, Sounds like yeah, it, right? They, Sounds they like you believe they, they have, have to. They kind of have to be now based off of the criteria I put Liquid in there on. So I, I would say that they are. But it's it's not like... I mean, when you really see like sustainability... Or when you think about sustainability with teams in their win conditions and it, and just the way that they play, like FaZe and Na'Vi makes sense, I think, based off of the years of Counter-Strike we've seen in the past. Like, But it, with Outsiders, it's tough to see... Can Norbert stay an elite anchor? Can Flit always be this great rotator player? Like, is he always going to make the right decisions? Actually, I think Flit's going to stay around, but I don't know if Norbert is, for example. Like, that's where I've been hammering outsiders the hardest throughout this entire run is that I think Norbert is a pretty, is like a flawed player. I don't think he's bad, but I think he's one that you have to cover up a lot with him. And I, I don't think that moving forward, like, if there's an eventual Cloud9 dis like dispersion of players and they all just go to different teams, I think that they would benefit the most by getting someone from that team to substitute in for right. what Norbert is doing. Sure. Yeah, I'll also say, by the way, just because I didn't end up taking this as one of my points elsewhere, I thought about doing this as my ugly points. Believe it or not, I actually think outsiders also, this is where upsets aren't always good if you're a fan, right? Here's the problem. Even the narrative of the upset, which people love from movies, of like, you know, the underdog shouldn't win, but they win, right? That's only cool when the same underdog then goes on and wins the major or something. That makes it an awesome storyline. Like, the reason the Cloud9 winning Boston major one's awesome is because, like, they did win and go on and get, take the title and all. Like, the problem outsiders have is Mouse 
basically fucked them by beating up Cloud9. Whereas if they got to beat Cloud9, there's a big scalp. Furia fucked them by beating Na'Vi. If they play Na'Vi instead, there's an awesome scalp. So the sad thing is, actually, for all we know, maybe Outsiders even would have beat these teams, but they never got to, unfortunately. They just never got them in the crosshairs. Yeah, I mean, I agree with that a lot. What makes it exciting is, you know, beating those huge teams and coming out with wins where you're just completely not expected to come out with the victory. And in this case, it was always matches like Maui was alluding to, you know, playing Mouse twice, playing Fnatic twice, always matches like, yeah, I mean, they're in it. They definitely have a chance of coming out with this one. Not, wow, if Outsiders win this, I will be completely shocked. Yeah, for if sure. they played, if they played Cloud Nine in the semifinals, this run would feel a, yeah. it would be a lot more legitimized. For sure. Um, and if it were Navi for in the grand finals, then it's just, you can't take anything away from them at all. And by the way, I would even say that's what shows you that, like, even though now people are probably going to go too far the other way and overrate outsiders, the way the way you know most people actually don't think they're truly world class Maui is almost everyone in their pickem had Cloud9 winning that semi final. Now that doesn't mean they yep. think Cloud9's impervious. But we all know they have flaws, but we also know there's like a day if they woke up and just played their ten out of ten counts straight, they would win that match. They just would. I'm sorry, they would. So that's it. I even thought, by the way, as an aside, it didn't end up happening. I even worried that the reason outsiders wouldn't win would be they'd only play fucking say. IS teams, like if they played Cloud9, then Na'Vi, they'd probably just lose one of those, mate, you know what I mean? Like, the, the bizarre yeah. thing is, like, those teams, maybe from the regional familiarity, they just actually are fine playing against them. They can still lose, but they don't seem like they have the same problems the Western teams do, mate. It, it does seem like any time an Eastern European team plays against Na'Vi on the server, they just, they lose their balls. Like, they just, they, like, everybody just... Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you're against Simple and Electronic in the server. Even though Electronic wasn't having the best time, if you're... If you're flit, you just are gonna play a little bit worse. If you're if you're fame or Norbert or Norbert Norbert, like you're just <laughs> yes. gonna play a little bit worse for sure. Yeah. It's actually an underrated aspect, by the way. It's the reason why when pros seem really arrogant to up-and-coming players, what people don't realise is they do the opposite to the people before them were the great players, which is why often people, in my opinion, like Nico, look silly when they want some teammate who was good like five years ago or something. It's like, bro, yeah. that was like 2016, fucking 2022, but whatever. We'll let that go. So come on, Maui, what was your good point? As I alluded to before, this is obviously going to be in a similar wheelhouse. Anyone who's followed the show before, what would the bingo card be of what might Maui go on about? Obviously, spoiler, you can't say shit about you can down this episode. We get a break on oh, that my... one. Get a little break. So, who, what was the other player then? Come on, hit us with the gym. Fucking angle. Yep. Come on. My yeah, mine is that Jame got his major. Jame okay. Jame getting his major is my good. It's not even. It's not outsiders. It's that <laughs> Jame did it because this guy is. Uh, it, it's easily a top three in-game leader of the past four years for me. He's behind Kerrigan. He's behind Glaive. He's right there. I was I was saying that whoever wins between heroic and outsiders for that grand final, I'd probably I would just cement them as my top or my third best IGL of the last four years or so. And with with Jame doing it. You now have this guy that's made a major finals with a team that nobody cared about. And it was one of those runs with a Vanguard where everybody was like, it, it was kind of like Spirit last major at, at Antwerp where people are like, if you're not going to do anything with, with that semifinals run, just don't even make the semifinals. But now it's come full circle and James has taken a different core but with just Kicker right beside him and actually made it and won the major he's he's one up to himself and also this guy has just never lost relevancy for the last four years like james with with the whole time i looked through all the teams that he was on over the past four years the avangard team uh the vp team and outsiders and only briefly basically when they were losing players on the hltv ranking which you know obviously penalizes you did they did they leave the top 15 like so it's basically like a formality based on the fact that they were making roster moves did they actually lose 
uh, ranking points. So this team, like he's kept this team in relevancy for so long. And also, I just think that the brand of CS that he plays, it is, it is just so efficient. Like it's kind of, and they, when he was doing this with a Vanguard too, at first people were like, I think people feared it because people knew this is actually just probably the best if you look objectively at how you're supposed to use the economy, how you're supposed to value the op, how you're supposed to play slow and use the entire clock, because everybody wants something that's a little bit flashier that takes more risks. But then we see that, no, you actually should just play the most efficient style ever because it's going to grind games out, it's going to grind your opponents down, and James now has also, as an individual player, just gotten better. Like, it was almost like one of the key pieces for a Vanguard in that in that 2019 2018 era or whatever for them to make them better is having an elite opera and now they have it and it's their in-game leader yeah i mean <laughs> i mean talking about grinding opponents down you kind of grind the audience down a little bit too honestly <laughs> watching james no but but honestly he i totally agree with your points like he's really brilliant in the way he kind of leads his team and burns down the clock and everything. I think what's also been good about Jame is I don't necessarily think he's at the elite level in terms of being an opera, but he's definitely improved okay. immensely, right? Like he's looked so much better. And when he does, like Thorin was saying, like when he goes for those 1VX situations, it's so exciting to watch him because he really can pull them off very effectively. Yeah, the only thing I would say is like, this is one of those ones where whenever a narrative changes historically, unfortunately, a lot of people just go with like, it never changed. I was right all along. Or like, everyone else was right. You know, like they just do that thing where like they act like there isn't any d development and progression. So the sad thing is, I actually feel like this is going to make people ruin that fucking avant-garde run and pretend it was really good and they were awesome and they even <laughs> had a chance and just had a bad <laughs> yeah. game against it. Whereas like everyone knows that was the worst final ever to be played yes. probably ever in Counter-Strike. Like it was a team that knew they had no chance with no chance stylistically playing against a team that had them covered on every map and even in individual players. Like it was fucking bad and it was bad for a reason. And so what I always say is that combined with them winning that like fucking Fugazi ass blast one week later where like anyone could just enter the venue in Moscow yeah. and fucking Zeus's last tournament. So half of it was like a vanity show for Zeus leaving the game. Like that combined with them then online though, becoming really good to get Yakindar. People just forget that part I mentioned there, Maui State. They act like Yakindar was just always there or something. Like I was hating on the team back then. The team that made the fan of that style of Berlin was a fucking absolutely whack-ass squad. It wasn't that good. If you even go back and look at that run no one does this go back and look like as they're on that run like some of the win rates on maps like mirage that we're getting them these huge wins they were terrible they were like i'm gonna say they were like 38 percent win rate on it against tier two teams you go back and look at events before that dude they're going to like tier two lands and not winning them and losing in like semi-finals and stuff to teams like the forces of the world i might not literally be forced but that sort of a level of team they're not playing like world class so the the problem and i'm setting up here is this Jim was not this player in 2019. He actually was all the all the fucking meme elements that now just are a meme and a stereotype, but they were true. He massively oversaved back then because he didn't have your kinder. He played way too selfishly with some of the fucking calls in that team. I mean, I even think back then, one of the things that must have been held, holding them back to some degree was they had had that core of players with them, like Kickerts and... Um, and fucking Buster. For, I think at the time they'd already had it for like four years, Maui, in like 2019 or something mental. Like, they just played together their whole careers, basically. So I think they were like actually like in a cul-de-sac at that point in time. They had a style, but it was just a idiosyncratic. It wasn't really yet great. I actually think if you look at Jim on all levels, as an IGL, he's about three times better, in my opinion. As an Orpa, I also agree he's better. I don't think he's actually like, I don't think he's a contender for best Orpa. Like if you took him off IGL and you threw him on a random team, I, th I think essentially he's one of those people. A lot of IGLs 
girls are like this, you know, it's the good ones. They always themselves manage to find a way to like frag in their own system. It's like a mixture of he like put it this way, Jim doesn't try to like make himself the star player or anything on this team. Like actually it's quite interesting the way he calls. Like I would even argue, by the way, this might be an interesting point for people. I'll throw it out there. I actually think fucking Cadian calls around his own op more than Jim does, mate. Jim he just does. looks like he calls a strat and he happens to be the opera. Cadian looks like, and I, by the way, this is one of my criticisms of heroic. One of the reasons I don't believe they ever will win big tournaments is because it looks like Cadian wants to do it while being the hero and the opera and the IGL. Like basically what people would say Jim did, but I don't think he did. I think he just did a good job as an IGL. He did a very good job as an opera, wasn't like the best player in the tournament. Like, yeah, I think it's, I think all in all it's a pretty cool storyline. I have no ill will at all towards this angle. Like obviously, like I say, I'd rather they played some better teams maybe to win, but what can you knock him? He, he, he can't succeeded in every area. Individually, he was really good. Probably the best tournament of his life. IGL-wise, he was masterclass. Like, again, go look. Where the bad T-sides? I'd even say, by the way, that's probably the coolest angle that everyone missed because of the upsets and the fact it wasn't the big names. You could argue the best fucking T-side team won in the ultimate CT meta. Like, that's actually pretty cool in a way. Like, if you wanted something to change the storyline, whereas, meanwhile, if it had been like a Fury or something, these were just teams shooting everyone with the M4A1S, mate. Like, that wasn't like world-class Counter-Strike. That was, <laughs> I was just shooting people with guns, wasn't it? So, I think that angle's pretty cool. That's like, yeah, I think all in all, the GM storyline's a great one. It's good all around. Yeah, and I, I really, I think that the whole like him leveling up and getting better, it, it was kind. Of, it's almost like they achieved too much with the Vanguard one. If you want to take that angle there, that that they kind of sure. had a run that was a little bit fluky there. But it, the fact that I'd say that he got they, that he did improve so much, like what we saw from Jame at this tournament, also. Like, he had moments where it, you would have thought that, you, or you would have known that 2019, even 2020, James would have just saved. Oh, I remember, would for, for sure. Example. Yes. But, like, th that Mao series, when he had that 1v3 on A-side overpass, retaking, when he just destroyed the first two guys and then flicked Dexter at, at the front of bathrooms to win the, to close out the 1v3. Like, where I don't know where some of this stuff came from. Like, James was possessed in this tournament, and that's also a little bit why you think that maybe he's it's not, it's not going to be sustainable because I don't know if James is going to always play at this level because when we look at Majors past like uh, like Antwerp some of the times when they actually lost like James actually kind of underperformed and I started to like I didn't want to give him this label like that kind of like Cadian for the first four or five years of his career I felt like every big game he was just a choke artist and James I started to feel that a little bit especially at Antwerp in some of the tournaments of this year like big big ones but then this one shed <coughs> all my disbelief entirely and he started to just go for rounds that he otherwise wouldn't have and i started to think okay if he if he can do this regularly or slightly more he would enter the the like you're never going to put him on the simple zywu level but like the one tier below that i think he's pretty safely there sure the only thing is i will say it like as long as I set it up very carefully, narratively there, with all the right beams and structures holding it up, it all makes sense, Maui Snake. But if I do just think this sentence in my brain, Guardian will never win a major, but Jame has. That's like that fucking old family guy thing where they're really drinking the epic hack or whatever. Like, oh, oh, beat sick, oh, oh, it hurts, oh, beat sick again, oh. Cause that, cause that just sounds gross. Like, that's my, that's why if you notice, by the way, this is why I think it's an interesting take. I personally put it more on Jame IGL in. Like, I know he actually had a great rating, etc. but spoiler, he is probably the player invented to inflate that fucking HLT yes. rating. Yeah. If you look how it's calculated. But like, so to me, like, I don't mind him being the MVP of the tournament, but I also include it because he IGL. Like, I think that's the coolest angle. It's the fact that he IGL'd the win. So, yeah, pretty cool. Yeah.
the whole like, I, him IGLing thing, because usually I think when we talk about MVPs, we kind of disregard that because it's like it, they'd have to call the best T side ever to for the for the IGL's stats to actually be inflated to the point we would give him MVP. But since Jame already put forward such a great individual performance, like the IGL is just a, enough of a boost that it's just so obvious he was the most valuable yes. person. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think. Go on. Sorry. No, no, jump no, no, in. I, I was just going to say, I think that James is just really good at uh, utilizing the specific um, strengths of each of his players so very well. It doesn't really matter who's on his team. He knows where to deploy them effectively. Um, and also, you know, just uh, moving forward, I think that even if there are roster changes, he's proven that he's really sustainable. He can move forward and be a strong IGL, even if the core changes. Indeed. Actually, to the to that point, actually, I'll add on the fact that when one of the reasons I was discrediting the likelihood of a an outsider's deep run at this is because coming into this event, JRT, we we worked the uh, ESL Challenger Valencia yes. event and we saw yeah. their overpass versus Movistar Riders there, yeah. and I was like. Norbert's just not an A player. Like, get the like. This is just dumb. Like, don't don't ever. I don't. I was I was expecting everybody was going to keep punishing outsiders on that map if they watched that game. But then nobody really cared to. But then at this event, they swapped around like three, two roles. Like at least Norbert and Fame. They might have even swapped around another rifler too. But like they they that that simple switch just made this team into basically the tournament's best overpass team. And so if you can just get the most out of players like that, and you're not going to be like, no, we must just keep trying because you know some teams honestly they they like they have these spots that just don't really seem to work and then they just keep trying it a good example of this right now would be vitality's dupree and spinks combo on the b bomb site like that's just that's just one of the weakest site defenses i've seen right now in in modern cs so i would love to see that change but they're just gonna keep trying it they will i know what they're gonna do but it, like with jame you you know that he's just like guys this <coughs> sucks we're going to change it to something better. And I love that pragmatic approach. It makes me believe in IGLs a lot more. Yeah, he's always adapting. And I mean, uh, to be honest with you, take any one of these individual players and move them away from outsiders, I don't think they would have performed nearly as well because, like I said, James is just utilizing them as effectively as possible. And he's always adapting. Right. Uh, for my good point, mine's more of just a wax lyrical one, basically. There's no, like, deep element to it. It's just basically, like... Uh, even, this is one of the areas I've noticed when we set up the narratives for people's careers that we don't always do such a great job is because the tournament circuit in Counter-Strike is so expansive and full spectrum and you're always playing at some tier and you get a lot of like sample size under your belts. We do actually tend to like crown people as it were as like great players and all-time great before they've actually done fucking anything at majors, if you notice. It's actually true. So I have to say, even though in your brain it's going to feel like, surely it's, surely he's done some more of that. Like, you know, okay, Serato hasn't been in many finals in his career, or many, like, big fucking matches, you know. Like, if people don't know, them just going out in the quarters of majors was, like, the best they've ever done. Like, the problem they had was they were obviously the up-and-comers, much like an Avangar in 2019, the year before we went online. And then in online play, they were trapped in North America, so no one really cares about those results. And then when we came back to LAN, they were actually one of the teams that I actually thought always, oh, like, that sort of false starts when we came back to the LAN era. Like, PGL Stockholm, they were just whatever, weren't they? They were some elite team. PGL Antwerp, remember, they were the ones who got shocked by the Spirit team. Like, those are the fucking rookies on a major. So I think that Keserato specifically Specifically, having the tournament run he did is enormous, especially because this guy did play Navi. He did play simple and the fucking got four people have won a major. And mate, like he's been very good in the past. Like the eye test has always checked out on this player. But like this was just like some legendary shit. Like that, even the game that he had where they almost pulled it back against fucking Heroic and he had the, like 18 to 1 personal run on CT. Like, look, again, you can do the joke of it. Like, he's just using the M5 Yeah, but he's killing like two people with it every single time. And his first ball 
bullet is like in aimbot just going to their yeah. head every single fucking time. Dude, he would even do the thing where he does the wide swing and like the first bullet. Like, it's a, I've, I made this point on my on my watch party, right? Because it's, it's one of those nuanced things so much and loads of demos I noticed that people don't. I'll tell you a detail that sets apart the god aimers from just really good aimers, right? I'll give you an example. If you get some player, like, take whoever you want, Elige or like fucking Stown or something. These are really good aimers, by the way. Like these guys, if they put them in an aim labs or something, they'd have really top scores, consistent aim. The reason why people like Config in Keserato are different Maui is this. They do that shit where I'm not joking. They fire before the crosshair gets there because that's how sick their mechanics are. It's like I always said, the reason you know Nico probably is the actual best aim ever in Counter-Strike is because Nico legit, the reason he does all those one-taps is because his brain knows like, yeah, that did it. And he just stops firing. Yeah. Like, you know, a normal human just fires the second and third bullet just in case you miss. Like, he just goes like, no, nah, that'll do it. Like, his he has time within the moment of firing to go, no need to waste another killer jewel of energy. Like, you know what I mean? Like, the dude Kisarato does that, mate. Every time, it's like, it's like the crosshair just goes to the head. It's mental. Like, the joke is, I would really think he had like a fucking aim key or something in that match if I, if I didn't know it was a LAN semi-final of a world championship. Like, I thought he was unbelievable at this tournament, mate. And I, it's like I said afterwards, like, Jim wins the MVP but mate Kisarato might have been the best player in that tournament he was unreal he was yeah, yeah. If, you, if you got it Jared go for no, it go for it no no go for it okay yeah. okay I, I'd say in terms of mechanics Kisarato was the best player at this entire event um and where I would like where some people might want to think about somebody that plays similar roles to Kisarato and why he's above it it's like think of if you think of someone like Naf. He, they play they kind of like do these similar t-side roles where you see them in the late round they have to like clutch these situations out here and there but why naf is hard capped for like why he's never going to actually be an ascendant player like top five in the world is that he goes for body shots a lot more and Kesarado is just like a headshot when he's on he's a headshot machine like it's just it actually it's one of those few distinguishing factors between when you have the best players in the world that if if they just go for body shots which naf does you actually give your team consistency in those kinds of moments because it is just straight up easier to go for body shots like look at the if you look at the headshot percentage and it's a stat that generally speaking nobody should care about but you actually do want to distinguish between the world class and the players that are just like of the upper echelon then the world-class players are the ones that are actually going to have slightly higher headshot percentage it's why naf or not it's why twist for example when he's in form just feels like he can pull anything out and it's why he got that magician nickname because in in the span of three seconds he could kill four people and that's why what caserado was doing at this event and like now now for example very good and i'm not trying to rag on the guy but he just he just goes for body shots more. Yeah. he just feels more comfortable doing it and caserado when he's in a 1v3 he's gonna headshot two of those players maybe body shot the last like he, he it's almost like a switch flips in his head that you know once it gets to the 1v1 he can relax a little bit more but when but naft tries to do it the whole way through and it's like you're never actually going to win the 1v3 if they're if they're tightly spaced like you're basically preying on the fact or hoping that they're going to have bad spacing or you're going to you're going to take advantage of them not playing great team cs but Caserato, when he's in a late round situation they can play great team cs but his mechanics can trump great cs Oh, you muted. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, I just muted myself. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, yeah, no, but I couldn't agree more. Like, honestly, Caserato, I know we're going back to North America here, and it's not really that important, but I remember watching them back in advanced finals. I think it was four years ago against Intact. The, the team, again, they were against doesn't matter, but but Caserato was unbelievable. I could tell at that moment that he was going to be something special. It took him a while to get there at the highest level of play, but seeing him do that throughout this major was absolutely 
unbelievably incredible. And I, you know, I, I know headshot percentages aren't tracked much, but I do keep track of them every single match that I cast. And honestly, he's always been that good. He's always been that mechanically strong. It's just about being at that level against top tier teams. And I mean, like Thorin said, he did it against Navi and doesn't get much better than that. Oh, absolutely. Exactly. The, the joke is, like, that's the only one where I feel like fans come with, like, weird angles, where it's like, you can see it about outsiders, but they beat Mouse and fucking who cares, Fnatic, who cares? So you can go and look at some of this. The difference is, he actually did do it against Na'Vi. Like, you can even go, but Na'Vi ended up, yeah, but it's not his fault, is it? Like, they were in the server. They were there. Simple was there. They did put ops into Simple's hands and go, would you like to kill him, sir? He just said no. So it's not Keir Sarato's fault. And spoiler, I'm pretty sure Keir Sarato and Fury were helping Na'Vi have that underperformance performance like it's obviously connected in it right come on then hit us with the bad point now grt what is your bad point you're going with here okay this one I i've been feeling for a while but um the major final being a bo3 instead of a bo5 so look there were a lot of problems with the format i think seating uh, i think the fact that there's so many bo1s instead of bo3s in particular the legend stage but i'm not going to get into that i just want to focus on the final being a bo3 instead of a bo5 I know there's like a lot of hate towards BO5s and how long they take, but there's honestly merit to them existing. And I know, Thorne, you've gone into this a lot, so I don't want to spend too much time on that point. But still, I mean, they just get overutilized. That, that's the biggest problem is they should be exclusively for the highest tier of play. The major, at the very least, I think the final should be a BO5. And we've seen in terms of memorability, uh, just look back at the Pro League final, Vitality versus Liquid was incredible. I am Cologne, FaZe versus Na'Vi. I mean, that's what you want to see. You want to see these intense battles of endurance going down. And um, I mean, I don't know how much you guys watch tennis, but back in 2000, between 2008 and 2012, I was really, really into it, you know, during the Federer and Nadal era. And one match actually not involving Federer that really sticks out in my mind was Australian Open 2009, Verdasco versus Nadal. It was a five set marathon. I remember staying up almost all night because it was in Australia, obviously, and the time zone differences were crazy. But man, it was just absolutely intense. Sticks out of my mind and it went all five <coughs> sets. So for me, and I'm not going to remember a three-set match that much. And there's no way. It's not, not going to happen. And um, even you look at the ATP 1000, they used to have BO5s as their final. That was the next level below, yep. um, you know, the Grand Slams. But now they don't have it anymore. As of 2009, I think it was. Yep. But, uh, 2008, sorry. Um, and you look, and if you do a Reddit, uh, Reddit, if you do a Google search, you can find threads or people saying, hey, can you bring back the BO5s? And, you know, I don't want to see a BO3 in the ATP 1000 finals. There's a reason for that. It's because they're more memorable, that they're fantastic. Fantastic. They're emotionally charged. That's when the real magic happens. By the way, just in case people miss, like the point you he was making at the end there is because they removed best of fives as the final at the level below the Grand Slams, the Grand Slam would be equivalent to the major. Yeah. It made it seem more important that you have it at the major. So your point is the reason you also want the best of, essentially you want, you're actually asking for two things, right? You're asking for the major to be a BO5 final and let's have less of them in non-major tournaments to make it more special, right? Precisely, yes. Uh, there's no question. I mean, we need to make sure that this feels like something special. It feels like a battle of endurance that you won't really see anywhere else maybe at a couple of other higher level tournaments like right below but just the major in particular it has to be there i i wholly agree because i actually was thinking for <clears throat> i didn't go with this for my ugly point or anything but i in some ways i just feel like the way the major is it, because of the seating and because of it not being a bo5 sometimes when i actually just zoom out a little bit the major feels like any other S tier tournament, and I think that would be changed with the BO5 Grand Finals. Uh, I, I I don't really want to 
like I, I would actually I mean I, I don't know I don't know where I would take away BO5s. I guess like ESL Pro League. I guess Pro League as it stands right now would probably be the one where I would make it a BO3 grand finals just because that's just kind of what the effort into that whole product feels like to me right now. But I, I, I think that for Cologne, like easily, easily Cologne Grand Finals this year is just the best Grand Finals. And, and we're, we're just not getting anything better than that. Um, I mean, Blast Fall Finals and Global Finals could have the sickest BO3s, but that was just an all-time series. Uh, so I, I it, like Navi and Phase Grand Finals, BO5, like it's everything you would have wanted. The seating, everything kind of worked out, even though some of the playoffs of Bracket and everything didn't work out. Um, as fortunately, like we had Movistar and Maus in there at the time, which felt weird in Astralis. But yeah, no, I, I agree. I, I agree. Just just to get back to your point, BO5 just feels essential for the major. And at this point, it almost just feels like the only reason we're not doing it is because of tradition's sake, which is just an just a bad reason to, yeah. to do anything. Like tradition isn't really like that's not an argument. Obvious joke would be something like, well, the problem is this map's not rounds, isn't it? But like, you can't, we get five bullets in an AWP. We can't even have five maps in a grand final. I was like, what, what's the logic? I thought you said five's yeah. enough, you know, so it should be enough. No, because the thing is, that's the problem I have with that whole topic, right? It's like, I obviously, it's a main position I've made for a few years now. So yeah, I agree. I think the major should be a, a, a best of five. And I even think the two tournaments this year, Antwerp and Cologne, show it because the joke is, Cologne felt like you watched the Antwerp final, which was super close, three maps, and we're like, would you like to continue? We're like, that's how yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe just keep going in that four. Like, you know, who would say no in that point? Because I've always said it, I did a pretty good job doing like a full spectrum attack of all the classic counters that people do to this one. Probably the worst counter ever, in my opinion. I'm not going to do it from the usual angle I do, which is when people go, they're not satisfied, there's too many that are just easy, but then they still say they last a really long time. It's like, well, which is it? Was it a 3-0 that was shit, or did it last too long? If it lasted too long, it was... So what I would say is this. There's a point right in the middle of that that I think people also miss, which is this. It's true. You're going to get more actual finals, which are one-sided, because of like how big the score is and how one person's going to get closer to three. You are going to get three ones and three zeros a lot. But what I'll say is an upside is this. You only get two majors a year. Here's what's good about having a best of five final. This final here would have shown it, right? So, you know, after the first map in this final, you saw that, like, pretty much Heroic just broke and they got gradually exactly. worse and worse and worse and worse. And so, realistically, you got about one and a half maps worth of play, right? Even if Outsiders win 3-0, a whole nother map gives so much more time for Heroic to get their shit together, to have a good map. By the way, I'm, I'm fine with that. Even if you get 3-0, people also miss this. Not every 3-0 is bad. Make it a good series. Like, if you're in two of the maps, it's really close or one's an OT, that could be enough. Like, it's it's actually an angle I think people really miss when they talk about formats. It's the same reason why Double Elim's really good. You don't have to argue anything else other than you get more good matches as well as bad matches too, but you get good ones and spoiler, if you think about how your memory works, you just delete all the matches you don't care about, but the really great matches like Maui Sin, that Cologne final might just be the best Counter-Strike final ever of any tournament ever. Like, it's just the shit, wasn't it? Like, you'll put up with a million yeah. whack 3 rolls for that. So yeah, for similar reasons, I also think this final here would have been improved. Like, I don't think a rogue would have just chalked away two whole maps like they'd have gotten it together for one or they might have picked up their level by the way that's also why i think it really proves the champion better because one of the bad things about best of three not as much in this meta i'll admit because you always get the guns all the time but especially in the old reset meta mate you could speed run a fucking best of three if you have a really bad first map like think about this imagine like the map is like you know i pick fucking nukes so you get to start ct side i lose like 16 9 but obviously most of that's just me getting beaten because i'm on t side then we go to the next 
next map. It's your map pick, but it's like a map that doesn't matter what side you start on and how you start good. I'm almost lost the series already. Like, I feel like there's barely any play in this final. So I also think people just underestimate that, like, we're all willing to put up with the shit aspects of best of threes, guys. There's plenty. We're plenty of whack best of three games and series that no one cares about. So, like, I, I, like I know like, we're all pretty much on the same point on this one, but yeah, basically, I agree. I think this is, to me, it's just a slam dunk at this point in time. I don't see that many downsides. That's why we made it not just about the whole circuit, it's just about this one major in it or the two majors in general. Did anyone have a last point on that before we move on? I think just if it's if it's Cato Cologne and the two majors, I think you kind of have a quarterly BO5 sort of setup. Yeah. And I think that's probably all you would want to run because if you start including both pro league, like six BO5s a year just feels excessive. So I think four is just the right amount. Plus, the it joke is, you might think to yourself, yeah, but what about all those other tournament organizers that want to run best of five? Well, first of all, don't worry about that because we'll let ESL just <laughs> monopolize the whole industry. So what we'll do is ESL, as the like dominant hegemon, you like that term, mouse Nick, as the hegemon of the Counter-Strike global system, they will get the best of fives, but then obviously their vassal empire of Blast, they just have to do best of threes to be distinguished from. So problem solved. I think we've solved the whole thing, right, guys? So there you go. There you go. Did you have well, a final point, Jetty? Uh, no, I, not really. I just think uh, we have to make the BO5s feel special on building on Maui. Yeah, I thought that was a good point to make as well. Because yeah. like, I also agree with your angle. If you then, like, because actually people don't know, that was actually also, I'll, this is another point I'll throw in there. The other angle that worked about that in tennis specifically was, surprise, surprise, when you take away the best of five for the ATP 1000, you get way more upset winners. Like, you'll get a yeah. guy who just wins a BO3. The joke was, back when, like, Federer could never beat fucking Djokovic in a final, he won a bunch of fucking ATP 1000 because it's like playing half a match. Like, if you yeah. just have a great start, like I said, you can win. Anyone can do it. Whereas, to actually beat, like, the great players, just like the great teams in Couch are going to best of fives, like, mate, you better be fucking amazing like you can't trip over and win this shit right if we go now to the bad what is your bad point maui snake that cloud nine botched another tournament possibility here that have you changed we... this one that wasn't what you yes, told yeah, yeah, me yeah, i changed i, I changed oh no, sorry I changed you did change that that's right yeah go yeah on. yeah, yeah. Go on. i changed this one yeah this okay. was um this this was uh to me a and to many a bracket that essentially pitted Navi versus Cloud9 and it felt like they had to collide in the grand finals and yet we were robbed of that not because outsiders a, a domestic matchup went the wrong way but Maus a team that is playing on their first major playoffs is is defeating them and just the way that it happened is where I take so much issue with how Cloud9 plays and because I think that we are, I think many people have conflated what we see in mid rounds between like three players of Cloud9 coming together and the actual style that the calling is. And I think that's where people are like, where, where many, including myself, I think, before I started diving deeper into it, we're, like we were saying like, you know, Cloud9 online, they could play the best style in the world or whatever. But it's so, it's so predicated on individuals just playing with top tier mechanics that you have to then label it as a, a very um, inconsistent style. Like it basically, if you swung top mid on Mirage every single round with the best rifler in the world, with Nico, when his mechanics are on, you will look like the best team in the world because he'll just <coughs> one tap the guy in window, he'll one tap the guy on cat, and then he'll just get into con. And that's essentially what outsider or not outsiders, that's what Cloud9 are doing, but they do it slower. They do it a little bit slower, and they just use their mechanics to get themselves into different positions on the map. And that's where I have to just draw issue with with what Groove actually I I, I put it all on Naphne. But I realize that it's actually, a lot of it is the system that Groove has created for this team. That he thinks basically you can use mechanics to shortcut 
uh, having good map control procedures. And that's why this team has had so many ups and down all, downs all year. Like, not even making playoffs at Antwerp, um, falling to Maus here, uh, Cologne losing to Astralis, losing to Liquid, and then... Like, like the, the, the level of inconsistency here for Cloud9 is too great for me now that I just have to draw so so much issue with, with the way that this team is even structured. And I just I'll just put it out there also. Like I, I have if I if I want to just point the finger at one person, it still has to be Nafani. I've been riding this train for a very <coughs> long time now. Yes. And I'm gonna continue doing it. That if if you can't if you can't put what we're considering two of the best players of this year in Shiro and Axile on a team that's at least making the semifinals of a major, that's just a catastrophic failure. And you need to then reassess how you're playing Counter-Strike as a whole, because the way we've dressed this, that they can play the most tactical CS is because when they are in the three on threes, they can play like Astralis. They'll throw that one flash that they need. They can play off of each other's crossfires. Their fundamentals are incredibly sound. It's just that their setups and openers to me are now not not efficient they just don't work that well yeah it's kind of like uh the opposite of outsiders right with that structure in place strategically they're so very strong and then you look here at cloud nine they're relying like you were saying too much on their mechanical ability and yes you're going to find success in some cases but you'll never have a player perform mechanically at the same level very rarely uh, mechanically at the highest level not to mention one but your entire team for an entire major for an entire tournament eventually people are going to slip up someone else has to step up and if that doesn't happen well then you get what happened to cloud nine right they couldn't get past the first round of the playoffs and were shut down so i mean look you talked about cloud nine i think they were shut out when they should have had more success navi as well it's unbelievable how this major went down but at the end of the day i mean we got outsiders who got that victory but still um cloud nine could have performed a lot better than they did and i think they just need to add a little more structure like you said to their openings and uh, they'll be much better yeah, the problem I have is as the years gone on and you watch these players, like it's one of the reasons why I actually don't buy the angle that people sometimes try to push. Like in my opinion, it is true on some level that like how good the star players are reflects on the IGL because his system must be enabling him somewhere or at a minimum not inhibiting them. And usually you'd say enabling, like setting them up and figure out what they want. Yeah. But at the same time, people do sometimes act like they press the fucking mouse one for them as well. Like at the end of the day, like the player takes over at that point, guys, and does what he does. Because I sort of agree a bit, mistake in this sense which is if you look right when they're at their absolute peak Shiro and Axile it doesn't look at all like it's because there's some like system product or something they are the system that's the joke right yeah. because Shiro's like the most consistent like fucking follow up opera probably ever and hits every off angle shot and it's just a CT monster by the way he's not getting told to do anything on CT he's doing whatever the fuck he wants <laughs> and then Axile is just like fucking entering slash space creating but just shooting everyone in the head immediately like well, what's the Varney doing there like basically like it's like it's like a re work of the old Nico go kill joke isn't it that, by the way originally was Forrest go kill the joke is like yeah that strat doesn't work for anyone else than Farney because they don't have fucking Axel running around that corner they don't have Shiro waiting to kill three people while you do something else on the outskirts of the map like they don't have that so spoiler you don't have it either like that you that player does that you don't do that like that's I can't replace those players tomorrow with like two different exact equally skilled players and get the same result like that those players have grown into those roles as well I do cut I actually do sort of feel like you could drop both those players in any other team and they would be equally as good. Like, why would they be worse? That would be the problem. I'd say, why would they be worse? And if, if the question is, why would they be worse? I am sort of implying, like, what is Nafani doing? Like, why? I've just said I'm giving him to someone else. <laughs> There's no problem for them. Like, I think a great sign. 
with with Nafani himself, he also sometimes just takes on these art performances, like, like the player from Furia. He just he just kind of runs in and just kind of dies too quickly, and you start like you get you get this vibe that it's kind of like why why do you have to sacrifice yourself to try to quote unquote open up space for these guys like when when you have teams that are more structured like even Mao even the way Mao's calls I just like it so much better than the way that Cloud9 calls um like if I look at almost every team in these playoffs with the exception of maybe Furia themselves and and Navi when they don't really have a true IGL right now like I think everybody calls better than than Cloud9 that's that's where I'm I, I really just have gotten so frustrated with this team because it's it just nothing's help assisting these players anymore and it kind of goes back to that example as, as saying earlier it's just like if you it, like you are just basically putting forward an inconsistent style saying this is your structure and it's just like swinging top mid on any map would do the same thing it's inconsistent it relies entirely on your own team's mechanics and it's like it, it works against everything that we have basically been saying about why structure and a system matters in counter-strike for the last decade I'll also throw in there as well, like the specific example, because it was the last map of the tournament, mate. That tournament, if people don't know, ended with Cloud9 just failing to ever be able to get onto bomb sites on fucking Ancient. The map everyone talks is the retake map. They could never yeah. even get into fucking B. This is real, guys. The B bomb site onto that map. <laughs> and the whole reason why, because that one half alone made me like an Afani hater, mate. Because I just yeah. watched him take some of the best riflers in the world and just tell them, like, the nightmare for an entry player. Like, run through a brick wall ten more times. But, sir, last time I ran <laughs> through, uh, I got hit by the brick. Like, just run through it again. Like, dude, that was actually anti-IGLing. Like, he was just making his team <laughs> force feed through fucking smoking exertion over and over again, basically. Like, yeah. I couldn't believe that, dude, because like I say, especially the map, like, first of all, your opponent's right there for the taking. It's a bunch of fucking academy players in a major on a massive stage. You, they should be the ones shitting themselves, not you, mate. And then secondly, like adapt at some point in time like dude he didn't he actually did it where it was like it's, like, it's almost like this the equivalent of what you were talking about there. Just, like, just go down with the ship just going down with the ship like what change it up do something different <laughs> i so i was i when i was watching that I was welding so hard mate. <laughs> I, I i couldn't believe how free it looked for exertion like just holding cave with an a1s just mowing people down every time they were trying to okay so i went back like of the 10 times i think that they had t-side uh they had t 10 t-side rounds in that one one of them they used a molly to get exertion out of cave Every other time, he just got to sit in cave. And the one time they mollied him out, it was actually when they had tech nines. So it actually just was like one of the, like, sometimes it's nice to take map control when you have rifles. Like, I don't know if this is a foreign concept to Naphne, but he wants to get, like, he'll, it's almost like he wanted to set everybody up once they had tech nines so they could get closer. It's like, maybe just do it once instead of trying to jiggle into cave or they they tried throwing a flash through a smoke to try to blind exertion it just failed and then they just tried running through a smoke also at him it was like exertion everybody we all propped up exertion for having an incredible cave hold like that like that probably was in his head the easiest cave hold oh, he sure. has had <laughs> like for the last four months of his life like that was that there were dudes literally running through smoke sideways and he wasn't even blind it's like anybody Anybody, any of us in this call could have held cave in some of those rounds. 
I, I don't know if I could, but <laughs> no, maybe when I was younger. <laughs> sure. But uh, no, yeah, it's just, I think it's the most frustrating thing to watch an, an IGL call the same thing over and over and over again because they just ran out of options or they feel they ran out of options. But instead, you know, call a timeout, take a step back and think about a way to adapt to what's coming toward you. Like you were saying, Thorin, I, I, it frustrates me too. Like, I think I saw it at, at Rotterdam. I'm not sure if it was Mouse that were hitting B on Mirage repeatedly. And I, I can't remember which team it was, but either way, I just, come on guys, like take a step back, think about it and try to do something a little bit different. Don't you just keep banging your head against the wall repeatedly i'll just say this as well and i'll segue to my point basically the one other thing i'll say that i don't think plays to your theory overall maui is this when i think of all the game i've watched all the cloud nine series they played online their team is probably the worst ever for having this pattern if they everyone plays well they win and look amazing if any of the stars play bad they don't win that's terrible if you're the IGL. Like, the joke is, if I ever make all those cases I do for people like everyone else thinks is shit, like MSL, it's because, mate, I could show you, like, half a dozen series where, like, they win the series and it's like, yeah, it's no business winning. Like, how are you winning on this map? This player underperformed? Like, you got counted here? Like, because I can actually show you the fingerprints of what he was doing. Like, I actually, I have a hard time. Essentially, you you, were, you set up correctly, actually, Maui. The real problem is this. Because of how amazing they were online and how consistently they won, we sort of just assume all of that was Nafani and that, like, he was, like, the super brain genius who taught them all how to play the game whereas i think actually the more the time like it emerges they actually do look like they have an amazing roster of players who've just grown over the years it doesn't really look like it was just one guy did the whole thing you know it's not like some lexi b and shit where it's like how was this team winning it's like now you look back like this is a fucking good set of players actually like they should be doing well if not better maybe so yeah yeah if, oh if i want to actually do one one last point on what i've heard and like what i what i know from the videos i've watched about nafani's calling and why it's depreciated so much is that groove was mid-rounding for them when they were online like you watch if you watch those gambit comms videos groove is literally yeah. telling them what rotations to make and nafani has wow. still yeah. failed to catch up as an in-game leader and that's why i'm calling for his head so much like that's why i just give me any other in-game leader because i don't think nafani has proven over a year now a year of playing on land that he can make adjustments in the middle of the game and it has it has to be a timeout it has to be groove that says that comes up with the new idea or the new game plan to implement because they will just run their heads into the wall if if it's just left up to nafani and his calling yeah, uh, I actually just remembered which team it was that was going to be every round of Mirage. It was Eternal Fire, and they didn't really have an IGL at Rotterdam, so that's kind of showing you where in a fan is. I don't want to be a man. Yeah. yeah. No, I mean, I, funny thing is, I actually, if you ever go back and watch by the numbers, that's the reason I actually predicted Gambit would be way worse on LAN, because I was like, they don't have all the coaches to talk the whole time. Like, you don't think that makes those CT comms fucking crisp as hell. Like, a guy literally stood in mm -hmm. the same venue going, like, uh, rotate now, because I'm looking at his monitor that you can't see. Like, give me a break. Like, you don't have that on land yet. So, so spoiler, that's where people like Harrigan stock just goes through the roof, isn't it? Yeah. Like, he, he is doing all the same shit, right? From my bad point, I'll just steal what would have been Maui Snakes, so you even get, like, a little fucking blooper reel here. Because I had a different one. One, but this is actually a better one which is i'll just take yours which is i actually think of all the things that have happened this year like i made a whole video about like if you think about it, if you actually stack all the circumstances simple's been in i actually do feel pretty bad for him this year he's had such a fucking rough time of it he's had so many times where like he's this close but then someone else some other team's better or some bullshit's going on back home or his team has to change players spoiler they're probably gonna have to change again now like the joke is they're just so good as players we all just decided like now nah, you can just keep some dying forever like just play with him for the rest of your career like that's how mentally that's how insanely good Nami was that we all just pretended like actually I'd rather not think about this roster move but I have to say 
If you look historically, I'm talking about when his career is over, mate, this is going to be the biggest what if ever is this fucking major. Because, bro, when you arrive at this round of eight, these eight teams, and I don't even care, by the way, that they had Fury. Like, yeah, in theory, like, Fury is like, I don't, that's a team that hadn't played anyone good in the tournament so far. Like, this is no joke. For, for Specifically from the Na'Vi POV, this is the freest major you'll ever get in your entire career. Like, I think of some of the majors Simple didn't win, mate. He was like an unbelievable player, having a drop like 40 bombs. He still lose. Like, bro, this is the one that's a killer. Because not only did you not win it, you blew it in the quarters. Like, dude, you could have at least added like another final or something. I don't know if people know this. I think if Simple had made the final, you'd have the record for most finals appearances. Like, there's a little stat for you. Didn't get it, of course. You blew it. And on top of it, you played like shit as well. Simple actually played fucking whack in this quarters. <laughs> like, I, I've genuinely never seen anything like it, mate. Like, if people want to meme on me, because I made that, like, tweet on the third map, like, now Simple just takes so, like, because he just does in the rest of his career. Have you never seen this guy play? Like, this guy does not have three bad maps in a row. He can have a map that for him's bad. Dude, this was, like, bad for a, a normal star player. Like, he was just underwhelming in these games. So, I think for Navi as a team, it'll be brutal. But for Simple's career especially, this will be the one that you look back on. And you're like, fuck, I should have whatever, one extra ring that he ends on like this should have been another one and the saddest part about it is by the way if he'd even won it ever would have just be going yeah it's a bit sort of cheap isn't it doesn't really count like the other. you didn't even win it you didn't you didn't even do that so i have to fucking give it to you for that like that, that's so underwhelming to me this is way worse in my opinion than sort of having underwhelming cologne final or not winning answer this is the worst one mate because like i think of his whole career like someone like me three years ago be like just give him just give him an easy run for once he got it and fucking blew it mate sad but it happened with with simple in this one, uh, he just he just played at a lower level than we're used to, and and I think when I like considering the the tweet he made about please don't boo <laughs> oh us and everything, I I actually have to factor that in a little bit, and I I usually I usually wouldn't even think that something like that would phase simple, where you you would hope that honestly like he's he's risen above crowds before like that's not something foreign to him or anything but when you actually look like when, when watching that game he really just didn't find like trade frags like he wasn't he wasn't peeking corners the same way it felt like he was even with all the basic up shots man yeah. more than normal shot yeah, he always hits him with him yeah yeah, he's just missing more. Like his, it's like his mechanical ability was clearly worse in this game because he wasn't. I mean, they still play similar CS to what they normally do, but it's just like they were so scatterbrained in this game, and I, and it actually did feel like this is one of the times when I I, I actually think like the Brazilian crowd actually made an impact on the game. Like, I, I don't know. I actually have no other way to really frame this because if you just took these two teams in a studio and just plopped them there and no, no crowd, no ambient sound, I, I think Navi wins this eight at, nine out of 10 times. Um, you know, you get the one game where Caserato goes God mode and you kind of got that on the stage right here today or that day. And, and I, I, it's really, it's just so bewildering that, that somebody that we, want to and do consider the the greatest in in our our sport is is just susceptible to to chokes like this because it, it's not like so i mean they were they were clear favorites in this one i think everybody any anybody that's like sensible throughout this was gonna have them making it through. dude i think 100 percent of those pickups i saw had them winning this match against yeah. fury i don't think anyone had fury beat them did they come on no like like the only people doing that were just like straight up like taking the audience like right. they're, they're gonna take the crowd versus okay. the actual team okay. in the server
Yeah. And I mean, like my, mine were the same. Like I had Navi taking it all. I was like, this is on a silver platter. Here you go. Like, here's your major. Here's your second major. Take it. it it's all yours. No problem. But I don't know. Like, why is Simple even tweeting about the crowd before the game? Who cares about the crowd? Focus on your own game. I was so shocked to even see that happen. Like, God, man, like, why would you even ask for that in the first place? I don't even want to get into it any further. But you saw him. I think it was after some day one. He clutched a 1v2 and he's going like this to the crowd. I'm like, dude, fuck like i get it simple does that but still like you know you, he's just trying to maybe back up his tweet or something like that i have no idea what he was trying to, what he was thinking in that moment because they were booing him and uh, who cares though like i don't know it's just so strange to me that navi failed in such a significant way like you were saying thorn like simple played so badly every time like oh oh here's a chance here's where simple is going to make his mark on this match nope nothing fell completely flat Plus, it's also just so wacky. Think of the brand. Like, this guy was the most toxic guy of all time. This was the guy yeah. where he'd have some legend like Marklov or Blade, and he'd be like, oh, you dickhead, like, you don't even know how to play that spot. Watch what I do now. Exactly. Then you come five years later, he's like, that lost his mojo, like Austin Powers 2 or something. Like, guys, please don't boo me. Ah, oh, they booed me. Ah, oh, like, like some fucking, like, little golem creature. Like, ah, oh, back to the cave I go. Like, what are they? You're the greatest of all time. Not only that, he's supposed to be on some Michael Jackson, Michael Jordan shit. I'm just like, I crush you all like not like please don't boo me <laughs> what the fuck that's yeah. all whack bro if you it's also if you're gonna do that don't go out and have one of the worst playoff yeah. series of your entire life right after you've tweeted that oh, come on <laughs> yeah i mean his voice did become like michael jackson's actually that's how i that's how i read the tweet actually in the later stages of his career yeah i i think this is also like why um like for a greater picture here for for simple and like the goat conversation this is why i think it's so uh it, it just like easily like i i really think like it could be someone like monacy in five years like it, it really could be and also why i was kind of bummed about g2 not making this because i think there's people that are going to be nipping at his heels within within like four three four years if they build up the right kind of resume because simple has a lot of these moments that you're going to be able to pick apart if if someone like monacy for example like Come on, Monacy's first like great grand finals Katowice, he absolutely nailed it. And if he if he's able to like enter a few more of those with that sort of poise and form, then I don't see any reason why in three, four years he's not gonna have a nice a nice cabinet of trophies that can actually match up with him. And so Simple's the goat now, but in, in six in five, six years, I, I think somebody else is gonna be very much so in that conversation. If the classic first-time deposit bonus doesn't appeal to you, then how about the one on your screen? Get a free up to 100 USDT risk-free bet. So what you do is, for your first ever crypto bet on the site, place the wager. Then if you lose it, message the mod mail, discord.gg slash esportsbet, message mod mail. Tell them last free nation sent you and you want the whatever it is, risk-free bet. So you'll get up to 100 USDT, depending on what your stake was, return to you. I would suggest as a pro tip, place that first wager on an underdog. That way, if you win the bet anyway, you get a multiplier. And if you lose, you get your original stake back. Right, let's go to the final category then. So JRT, what is your ugly point for this major? Uh... For me, the ugly point is the crowd at the major, honestly. I mean, look, we talked about how fantastic they were, right? Uh, 
for the Brazilian teams. And that's great and all, but that makes it even uglier with the way the semifinals and the finals went down because we know what they're capable of and what they brought to the semis was literally no one in the seats almost. And in the finals, look, it, it was full. There were people there, but I think they were just warming the seats. That's all they were really doing. It was a lot of like golf clap type shit, yeah. wasn't oh it? Oh my yeah. God. It's literally in my notes, like golf claps happening at the yeah, end of rounds. I'm like, what am I watching? Like I'm watching Counter-Strike or am I watching a golf match with just, oh yeah, you got it in the hole. Yeah, yeah you know, there's the, there's the putt that he made i mean what is happening here at this major and just like you know take 20 minutes go and watch antwerp or even stockholm go and watch the antwerp major though take the first 20 minutes uh, 10 minutes of that then go watch 10 minutes of of the first 10 minutes of the rio final and oh my goodness like the contrast is crazy i mean um in the antwerp final you had people cheering for navi people cheering for phase you could hear the battle in the crowd happening and of course that battle's happening at home too so you get even more into it but then um you know at rio nothing like uh, maybe they were saying outsiders were their favorites but i mean i could <coughs> barely hear it at all uh, just pick a side like pick heroic and pick outsiders and try to get things going get those chants going that you showed um you know when the brazilian teams were playing but none of that it was dead silent so so disappointing for me personally is yeah yeah and i will having having been there and hearing it i'll put it pretty pretty bluntly that the legends and challengers stage was louder than the grand finals <laughs> like like that's okay. yeah. that's uh, so disappointing it's it was so disappointing and i'm that's awful because I know who can actually hurt me in real life, I will actually take a battle with the right person here, and it's Galas. Like, I'm going to take that battle as opposed to the audience. Because I think the audience was responding to the stimulus that they were receiving in both both different arenas. Like, the, okay. the, the arena for the grand finals had a caster, in air quotes, that wasn't actually hyping you up at all like i i said this on talking on the talking counter podcast and i just like i'll, I'll reiterate that the way it sounded in the arena when gallows is casting is like fame will get one of the sickest clutches or whatever and the way gallows puts it is like fame it's like are you gonna die soon like do you want to do you even want to be here because if you if, if you give any other Caster, and you think the crowd was just following like his cues, basically, like they were essentially they were the yes. level he was putting them at. Sound like, by the way, yes. I mean, just that whole story of like, there's the other weird thing that people don't know. That Mouse Cloud Nine match is also sort of tainted by that story that like Gowler's just decided like, oh, it's time for Mouse to win. So fans, like, we're all going to go back inside and support Mouse now. Like, what? Like that story's mental in itself. Like, but it makes it sound like this guy was just at the Pied Piper mate, and everyone's just doing whatever he says yep. at this event and just following him around, whatever, whatever he calls, just as the player, right? Yeah, I would, I would argue. Look, I'm not trying to mean. I, the crowd was amazing for the Brazilian matches. Don't get me wrong; it was probably one of the best crowds that we've seen in a lot of ways. But it has to be across the board. But I would also mm -hmm. argue that, like, even when I've been in green rooms, it's been more exciting. There's no caster there to you know hype you up. Sometimes you can't even hear the caster because you know it's too low on the volume. So you know you can get involved into a match. You can get excited for big plays if you understand you know how Counter Strike works. Which I'm not saying this crowd didn't. Of course they did. They just weren't paying attention. I think they were just there and they didn't care about the teams. So because they didn't care about the teams, as a result, you know, we didn't get a crowd that was invested in the match.
That's it. Yeah, I would also say as well, by the way, one thing I found really frustrating about this whole event and the entire discourse around the crowd was it, I noticed a lot of this. It almost makes me feel like esports has become politics now because you never even get to drill down to the real topic. You're just stuck on some abstract outside topic that someone else wants to talk about. So basically, in the same way as if you had a topic like, hmm, what about this female league in esports? It doesn't ever become, what about this female league in this esport? It becomes like, should women be able to, like, what are you talking about? That's it's not even the topic. That's just some shit you want to talk about. So similarly, right, the thing I found so frustrating about the discourse is people acted like we just invented crowds this year or something. Like <laughs> like every other major, Maui State never had a crowd. They were just in an empty arena. And suddenly a Brazilian came with a drum. And oh my God, he's like Albert <laughs> Einstein. Holy shit, he split the arm. And so the reason I can't handle this is because you were at a major Maui called PGL Antwerp. You know the best thing about that, fans? Antwerp's in Belgium. Belgium's never had an elite Counter-Strike team. They had Scream in existence. That's it. And Nevera, maybe. That's it. In all of Counter-Strike. So why was that venue fucking rocking? I'll tell you why. Go and look this up. This detail completely pops the balloon, by the way, that we have to have events in Brazil because the crowd's awesome. You'll know this detail, Maui Snake. Do you remember during the playoffs of PGL Antwerp when those massive fan groups of, like, G2, the G2 army, the Vitality, whatever they call it, fucking Hornets or some shit. Hornets, I can't remember what they call it. Yeah. Hornets. There's even yeah. a third one, like, big or something. I can't Roaring remember the bears. other one. Roaring bears. Yeah. These, do you remember when these guys were going mad during the playoffs of Hijal Antwerp, Maui? Do you remember in the crowd? Yeah. Right? Oh, here's yeah, the, yeah, yeah. Here's the detail amazing. people are yeah. going to not realize. None of those fucking teams were in the playoffs. Those teams all got eliminated in the previous system. But the ultras for those teams, I don't even like ultras, mate. I despise the concept of fandoms. But fair play, they had tickets, so they went to the event anyway, because obviously they thought they were going to be in the playoffs. I get it. And it caught, just because their team wasn't there, they weren't like, oh, well, fuck it, you know what? Just boo everyone who isn't our team. No, the other way around. You would have thought, that's why I asked the question that way to Mouse Nick to trick you all. You would have thought their team was playing in those matches. You wouldn't know it was like Spirit versus fucking Faze. You would think Vitality was playing because all their crowds there cheering. If people don't know, by the way, those ultras of teams that were already eliminated were the ones standing outside like Faze's fucking yeah. hotel room going like, Carrigan, like, you know, like a day before the final. Whatever. Like Again, this is stuff I'm not even a fan of, but fair play, that's real passion. That's someone who loves CSGO. If you only love, like specifically only Brazilian players, look, that's fine. You can be a fan and do that too. There's space for you in esports, but surely there's some people at the event who are there for CSGO as well. Like, that's one thing I'll never get. Look, if I was Brazilian, yeah, obviously I'd want Fury to beat Na'Vi, but I wouldn't just go like, ah, oh, what's this fame and flit? They look shit if you ask me. Like, I'd be, look at your eyes, it's fucking amazing. What are you, what are you not enjoying? How could you not enjoy watching Heroic play, by the way, if you're some Brazilian fan? Like, what are you talking about? Like, flashy fucking calls, crazy outplays, like, yeah. everything you want to love's there. So, I, that's the only angle I thought was a bit whack, was like, people overpraised the good parts of the crowd and then they ignored that, actually, like, you don't, you don't have to have most of the downsides. Like, here's what's weird. To me, it actually infers the opposite conclusion of this event. Everyone else's conclusion is, well, because the Brazilian crowd is so insane, we better have all the events in Brazil. My, my perception was, just get like fucking 2,000 of those guys and ship them over to another event and then we can have all the great fan bases and there's... Perfect. What's the problem? Haven't we fixed the issue? You know? Because I don't know. The problem I have is this. It was implied by the setup of having Gaules and him having all this command over the stream and leading. It's almost implied like you need him to sort of corral these people, corral Hope, corral these people and tell them what to do or whatever. Like, I don't know if that's even true. I feel like if you took him away, maybe it'll just be a normal event and we can have a normal crowd aspect. But even if it's true, like, 
I don't, I, I, that whole thing just feels so fucking unnecessary to me. I get why ESL might love it. By the way, Bobby, one thing I'll always say as well is to be fair, as the person at home, you're never actually getting the vibe of the arena because you're not there. You don't feel the like fucking the vibration of the stage and the booms. and the, So you'll never get that angle. But the problem is I'm not supposed to. I'm just on the stream, aren't I? Like I'm supposed to enjoy what I see on the stream. That's the last part I'll say as well. Why are we still doing that in esports, right? If over, wasn't it like 1.5 million people were watching? Well, that means that there was only like 10,000 people in the arena. So why are we catering to 10,000 over the 1.5 million? You know what I mean? Like that, those numbers are just a bit off to me. Any final points on this one? Well, just that uh, I guess I guess some people are kind of like the the one point of ambiguity that some people may have here is just like is it louder in the audio in the stadium versus what we're hearing? It must on the be right. I think this. Yeah, but I think the stream was actually properly mic'd up. I think the audience okay. was pretty much like it was very very accurate to what we were hearing. Like in terms of, I didn't watch back every game on the stream because I was just watching it there in person. But I, I I mean, in terms of the ones that I saw and people were reacting to the crowd, Legends Challenger stage was literally louder than what I heard for the Grand Finals. Like that's just that's just what it is, and that's kind of how a lot of people in the community reacted to the Grand Finals crowd or lack thereof. So it's not like people are misinterpreting this based off of their streaming viewing. Experience experience because it's pretty accurate you know what i'll even throw out there a random fucking idea because it's actually a good idea by the way i would suggest you literally do this if you're an esl but they won't here's what i would do right bear in mind look i know theory theoretically how you organize this might be a bit dodgy because you'd have to sort of know they're not going to be in the tournament but spoiler imperial aren't going to be in the playoffs of the next brazilian major either so being as they aren't going to be there what i would unironically do if i have this type of crowd set up is i would film some content before the playoffs where i just take the big imperial figures fallen for FNX, have them in Portuguese Brazilian, just basically explain which players they like out of the remaining teams and why the teams are good and what they're good at. I think just watching a little hype trailer like that, where like FNX tells you, like, you know what, I'm actually a fan of, I pick a random player, fucking exertion from Mouse, the way he's entering, like, dude, that, would, that might have an effect on the crowd. They might be like, oh, okay, oh, he co-signs him. Like, maybe that's even the angle, because we've got to do, because like I say, I don't believe these people aren't fans of Counter-Strike at all. That just seems implausible. Who could sit there even to watch their own team yeah. if you don't like it? But at the same time, there's some disconnect happening. Like, how are you not understanding what's brilliant about some of these players, you know? It can't that they just be Brazilian. That can't be the only angle to watch, guys. Come on. Yeah, I'll take I'll take my ugly point yes, do it. on this. And then just because because it, it does just feed into it, it does feed into mine. And that's just that for the way that I perceived it, and it does it just kind of factor into the the crowd or the location and the fandoms, is that I think that like and it's ugly because it's just like it feels so reductive but i i think that most if not all majors should just be in western or central europe now because they've they've proven to have the best fan bases I, until there's a circuit that's big enough right now that can demonstrate like with an iem dallas or like let's say like it is going to be iem dallas next year but let's just so. say they yeah. tried like like Chicago again or what or something in America and then there's a fan base that proves it can it can handle having a major I don't think that it's worthwhile to taint a major like this to have a crowd that just can be just like give you nothing um like it would have been nice if they did a test run where it's like I am Rio or I am Sao Paulo first and we kind of get to feel out is this place worthy of having a major and I almost feel like the bids for majors should be 
about the location now just as much as it should be about the to like i think most tos have actually demonstrated at this point that they could probably handle an event of this scale like the big ones like like pgl esl blast like i think they all could do a great job at it at it but i think that if they, they have to really um carefully choose where these places are because i don't know if there's anybody now anywhere that could actually Uh, hold a candle to what's going on in Western Central Europe in terms of CSGO fan bases. Because like what we saw with Brazil there is kind of, to me, a symptom of where I think a lot of fan bases are moving for traditional sports, where people are now becoming fans of individual players, and they're becoming very like devout fans of maybe their own team. But I also noticed like during these playoffs, people would cheer for Jame getting kills and Katie and getting kills, but they wouldn't give a shit if... Tessis gets a 3k like right. they just like like nothing was there was almost no reaction for fame getting a double entry or clutch and yet jame getting a single kill somehow gets the whole crowd roaring and that's just like like when you think of when i think of nba fan bases now for example i know that a lot of people just it's like a the, the joke the joke is always like i'm not a i'm not a heat fan i'm a wherever he at fan and that's where i think like a lot of people have shifted their perspective in terms <coughs> of where they what they align with so I, I think like brazil is is very much so proven to me that's where that's what they think they just care about individuals and their own teams but they don't they're not fans of the greater sport here which i think that western and central europe have do, like they've clearly demonstrated that they love Counter-Strike. And I think that's why just put majors there until other regions have can show that they actually care about the game. Yeah, I kind of agree with that. I was thinking about that. I, even just going back and watching other majors and doing the comparison between this one, I, I kind of agree with you, Maui. It probably should stay there at least because it's tried and tested, right? Every single crowd we've had has been phenomenal over in Western and Europe and just in Europe in general. So I, I think that that's something that needs to happen. But I also agree that give uh, you know North America a chance, get the IEMs here, see what the what kind of crowds we can build up here because I would love, I mean, I'm in Canada. Yeah. I would love it if a major was here, but I know full well that I don't think the audience would be sure. present enough right <clears throat> so. no i mean i i definitely agree by the way in general yeah it's a slam dunk to just hold it in western europe like everything's nailed you know the internet situation all the teams can boot camp everyone can get there it's the main region you have to travel to anyway for counter-strike so also in theory you sidetrack like visa problems and stuff but i'd also throw in there i think definitely north america shouldn't be abandoned completely i know the dallas yeah. one was a bad one that was also very poorly scheduled in the actual like fucking one week after the major like the, spoiler if people don't know there's a reason tournaments like that will always fail and i'll explain it to you because it's always been the way in CSGO. The reason why some of those teams drop out is because they don't yet know how they'll do at the major. So what they're doing is, look, if I completely don't even make top eight at the major, like say like Vitality did here, well, then I'm going to actually keep my fucking invite to an IEM Dallas. I'm going to go there and I'm going to try and get the bounce back tournament. But if I'm Navi and I just lost the final, I'm not fucking, like, just forget it. Like, you can, I can tell you right now, the second I lose, I'm not going to that tournament. It's over. So the problem is it'll always have a slightly gimped field a little bit. But I will say, if you just go and look historically, the best American crowds could easily make an awesome major like I've always thought the most underrated venue well, always because I always enjoyed the ESL New York events was when they had him in New York because here's what people probably wouldn't even think about as well if you had a major in the New York area somewhere any of those big stadiums could be any sports stadium pretty much people from like Toronto could just come down it's right above it mate like there's so yeah. many areas in that if people don't know there's some mad stat that like you know the majority of the people in North America just live in like the east coast Maui like the actual yeah. like rest of it's obviously like all farmland and fucking 
fucking open areas and it takes huge like the the you'd get loads of like foot traffic in my opinion if you had a major in the spot like that so i think you could have a good enough crowd turn up i, think you, I don't have to abandon everything in north america but I just, as a general point yeah it's just safe to have it in europe you're just going to get the viewership same time zone everyone it's kind of just like we all know how it works you can't really go wrong with it i'm with you I mean, I wouldn't, the thing is, the problem with doing it in America now is that so much of the FPS fan base has shifted, or TAC FPS fan base has shifted over to Valorant, that I'm not 100% sold or confident in the fact that people are going to have, are going to show up as much. I, I think that if you, if you said there's an, the next major is in New York, I actually think it would probably do very well, um, but it's just like, I, I want, I really, personally, I just want a proof of concept first okay. now because of what happened in Rio. Like, that's just where I'm at with this yeah, whole situation. Fair right. For my ugly point, my last one, right? This one is, it's a bit like the Maui snake, like the Farney one. It's like, look, one of the good things about being an analyst, the bad part is this GRT, which is, you know, there's it takes you have that are unpopular, but then moments come along where you're just going to have to talk about it and everyone's going to go, oh, he's doing that bloody thing again, but he talks about that one play he doesn't like. But I'll tell you what, the good part is, because of how frustrating it is when there's no, like, everyone's like, oh, you're exaggerating it. And like, when it's just so on the money, it's like, right. Oh, it's like, I, I know most it the second cloud and I got eliminated, like the, the table. Yes. Rolls, like two inches high of course <laughs> so i'm gonna say man which is this and i've said it this whole fucking career so i'm gonna say it again mate i'm so bored of waiting for sirison at tier one online to be what he is online in the tier two because go look at the go, just watch big even this year alone you put him in, in an rmr or the first phase of a major and you put him against those tier two teams those teams that say from like eight to 20 oh, he'll farm them he'll, he'll milk them all and look at the mvp of the whole tournament but when you put him into the proper part of the tournament like into like an im cologne a major calavita and he's in a playoff match against top teams it's not even that he's bad he's just an he's just an okay to above average opera that's it whereas before that like that's actually to tie back into the opening when i joked about big that's one of the reasons i actually find them so frustrating maui snake because like tabson does an amazing job as far as i can tell as an igl some of the, even the younger players have sort of found their footing and are having some good performances but the problem is early on in tournaments in these bad opponents Sirison carries like he's simple mate and then when they get to the real matches he's not going to be there you know like you can better get you can bet your house against this guy you know you're going to win it just it just bums me out mate because I feel like they could be so much better and also I'll throw this in there the other reason I'm bringing it up now isn't just because of the major it's because he's still in denial of it bro he's still doing yeah. those interviews they do where it's like, <laughs> they, they in these interviews mate you would think for real I'm the architect of the simulation I'm the one making Sirison do that and if I just stop pointing it out it'll just be really awesome also like I'm just watching these matches bro I'm waiting for you to show me I'm wrong what's what people don't know now is I love being proven wrong like when Jim actually became really good then I'll give it up but I'll tell you what I'm not going to do it for one second till you do so I I just find it so frustrating because that's the one angle that there is no excuse for. Like, that guy is the primary orper on a team that will feed him orps whenever he wants. They're even a team that will fucking save correctly, by the way. Like, at the end of the day, you're the orper, bro. You have to shoot people. Like, there's a lot of other rules with nuance and how do you play this role. You're the orper. You just shoot people. That's all you do. You put the crosshair on them, press the mouse one. Did they die? You did your job. And unfortunately, he's not able to do his job to the degree. And like I say, that I, it just triggers me when they, because when, they, when they're in denial, that also tells me this. Great. Add another two or three years of this shit because they're not going to fucking address it are they they're in denial with with Cersen, it's pretty obvious now that he's kind of has the like it's been it's kind of it's been long enough uh that's just how i put it because i i yeah. i would if i'm using the same criteria for what i did with cloud nine like it's been long enough for me i've seen enough and with Cersen, 
I have to do, I have to kind of give that, uh, that's, I have to, I have to put it in the same regard because with, um, with, with the way that I characterized it at first with like the blast fall finals last year, Sirson played pretty badly at it. And I thought that he was in a slump in his career. So that like people were like, Oh, he's an onliner. And it's kind of like, this yeah, is sure. one of the first. There, that that is clouding that whole narrative as well. The, and by the way, if you notice that whole topic, I should have put that as my ugly. That's ruining all these discussions. Like again, you notice the discussion goes like this. If Cloud9 actually is good, well, then they were never online. It's like, what? Like, I saw this about Heroic. Like, how was everyone called online? Because they did nothing for like a year. What are you talking yeah. about? We're all waiting for to win everything. No, I agree. That, that The online topic's not really my point on this one. Just, he doesn't do it online, you know? Yeah, yeah. And and it was, it, to me, to me with the, the fall finals last year and him performing badly, I just thought he was in a career slump. And he kind of was. If you even look at what he did online sure. to in, leading into that event, he was playing pretty poorly. He played poorly at the event. And so people just kind of like conflated that that narrative. But then with with now what I've seen in the last year, it is... It's kind of like a pressure thing with Sersim, it feels like, like if he's in a big moment, like, cause, cause actually with RMRs, there's just less at stake and it, it's not necessarily always, I'm not sure if like, if I can say it's like stadium pressure because it hasn't really always gotten to stadiums for Sersim. Like sometimes he just crumbles under pressure in a studio environment too. And so it, it's kind of, it's just difficult for me to say it's, it's like one exact thing because it just, it just, it just feels like when it gets to a moment where if big had the opera that they thought they had, they would be a top, they would be a top five team. Yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't, would. I wouldn't. Yeah. And, but it's just that he doesn't reach that height all the time. And, and it's, it seems, it is, seems like it's in a, like later stages of tournaments when this rears its ugly head. And I, with, with Sersen in general, I don't think actually stylistically, I don't think he should be inconsistent. And when, when you watch him play, like there's nothing that really is saying like, he like oh the better teams are punishing him for this title of play it is actually just sometimes mechanics that are that are failing him in these moments so that's where it's very disappointing for him and big in general because they know that so much of their success hinges on him uh being a you know 1.2 rated opera like if they get if they get that opera they're gonna they're gonna actually succeed they're gonna probably make deep runs into tournaments <laughs> by the but, way uh, did you see because yeah. i know a lot of people missed this joke you know when that like update just dropped the other day and tabson just woke up like what the fuck because remember oh, not yeah. only did they remove dust too which has always been big's map <sighs> but they took his opera and just gave him half as many bullets in the gun <laughs> that must be like waking up it's like what next? Just ban Germany entirely from Counter Strike? Like, that's <laughs> ridiculous, isn't it? I know. Imagine being Tabson of all people waking up to that and he was like, well, brilliant. That's, that's one right. of the worst things. Well, that was one of the worst things for like French CS and German CS yeah, in the same exactly. day, actually. Yeah, true. Yeah. That's true. Um, with, with, uh, with, with Big though, I, what, what's like, what's, what's kind of unfortunate is like, the, like a greater ugly point for me I have is just that the fact that they are committing to the full German thing and it's like, I really like big as an organization. I think they're like, in terms of like management and like finding players, I think they've done a really good job at sifting sure. through what is a pretty, a region pretty devoid of talent actually. And so to, to even be like competing at the level that they are really speaks, it's a testament to how good Tabson is as a leader and how good man, uh, the general management is in terms of finding people and raising them up into the, like, like Krumbo is like an academy player. I mean, uh, keto serviceable okay whatever i don't want to get into like their personnel necessarily but like it's just that if they actually decided to go international again and they picked up xanteras this team would be insane and if they actually just like went out and got an international opera this team would be 
so good. Like if you have this core of of tap with with tabs, like basically if you just have IGL Tabson, I'm pretty sure this team like you can have an incredibly strong team. But you're you are just hamstringing yourself by making sure by by playing in a domestic uh, or playing to a domestic audience or whatever you want to how you however you want to characterize that. No, I, I agree with that a lot. And I think that was the problem in NA as well recently, like trying to keep all NA players on complexity and liquid. And now you see what happened to them. You know, you got Halzer come into complexity. I think complexity still has problems, don't get me wrong, but I think he's really filled that hole well as an opper. And I agree that the same thing could happen here. Go international as Antares, you mentioned him, uh, pick him up and, and replace Thurston, who's been around for two years. I mean, he's had his time, he's had his chances. It's time to try and find someone else to fill that role as the opper. And uh, again, I uh, want to talk about liquid, Yekendar added to that roster. So, you know, it's good to inject international talent look at any major sport right the nhl for example canada hockey i know but um you know they're all international players they're from all parts of the world to get the best players you can't just focus on one region even though you want to have that fan base be like, hey it's a german team but still they're going to cheer for you regardless yeah that's that's kind of where i'm i'm at with it too where it's just uh, you, i i don't know well i'm just i'm just curious what they find to be the benefits here i guess economically with sticking domestically because it probably makes things a little bit easier in terms of like getting everybody's visas and making sure that everybody can travel because yeah. they're all working with the same conditions so that side of things logistics might be a little bit easier because if you always have to get like some guy especially like nowadays if someone's from russia like it's just a nightmare for for jet like higher level management to try to make sure that they can like travel so that but that's like one of those weird hurdles that i just don't think like could be an issue yeah, um well but it's just it kind of is yeah i mean phase like i mean i don't know yeah yeah, yeah, yeah exactly from every country right or not every country but you know what i mean yeah